The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wadner, along with my co-host, Will Lomas, as always. And we're back back to recap another Titans win uh, and preview their next game, which will be on Sunday night against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Biggest game of the season, I would say. The Bills won. Came a little bit too early in the season. The Titans were still kind of figuring out. Uh, who they were, and it was clear that the Bills were a legitimate Super Bowl contender, plus uh, it was in Buffalo. So I think this is the biggest game of the season so far. Uh, But before we get into all that and and recap the Titans' win over the Texans, uh, I think we should talk a little bit about uh, some of the trade deadline deals that that went down. Uh, Were you expecting the Titans to make a move, or, or do you think uh, it, it was kind of expected for for John Robinson to stay put, especially given some of these some of the values that um, not values. Uh, they, I think some teams kind of overpaid a little bit for some of these players. Uh, and I know Titans fans always want the team to, to make a move to 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 get the team to be better in certain positions. But I don't think there was really anything out there for the Titans to 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 make that really would have made sense. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I would never expect the Titans to make a trade in season because I can't remember. I guess Desmond King, um, they did that one year, which worked out really well. He was good, and they got more in comp pick than they got than they traded away for him. Um, I don't know. It was um, it was one of those trade deadlines where, you know, first of all, things happened, which you know never really happens. It's a lot of smoke, but apparently teams were motivated to trade players. Um, you heard a lot of rumors that they're interested in edge rushers. You know, if Brian Burns wasn't on the table, I don't really know who I would have given anything up for, like trading a first and change for Chubb just to pay him $20 million a year, which is, you know, what the rumor is that Miami's going to give him. That's tough to stomach. Like, I don't, I don't think I could get behind that even, you know, and I wrote this article about Brian Burns weeks ago because, I don't hate the idea of trading for an edge, even if you have to give up a first round pick, if it's somebody you like, because you could essentially, as much as people don't like talking about cutting Autry, you know, say you could trade him or restructure or whatever. There's a lot of money to be had in uh, dealing with either cutting or or, or trading or whatever, uh, Autry and Dupree, like that there's something like $20 million of cap space to be made there. So, you could essentially trade like, uh, you know, Burns was apparently not on the block. I don't believe the rumor that they turned down two ones from the Rams. Like Albert Crazy. Breer said that. That's yeah, insane. Albert, Albert Breer said that, and I, I I still don't believe it. So 
you know, may, maybe they did. If they did, they're insane because, you know, the rumor was that it was two firsts from the Rams. And the reason why it was two firsts is because it would be 2024 and 2025 um, because you can trade that far out. But because they don't have their first this year because they traded it with Jared Goff to get uh, Matthew Stafford, blah, blah, blah. Still, you don't let, you know, you don't ignore two first round picks. Like, especially if you need a quarterback and you're a bad team and the team that's, you know, trying to trade with you has like three wins this year. So that that seems crazy to me. But anyway, it, I, I think you if you have somebody like that, like a young Pro Bowl, you know, who edge who doesn't want to be where he is. Yeah, like move a first. You can make the, the money and cap space up with other moves. And then you have four guys on the defensive line who were all pro bowlers or really good players in Tier Tart, Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, and insert whatever young pass rushers there. Other than that, I, I didn't really think a move on defense made sense. It, the rumor is that Jerry Judy could have been had for a second and a fifth, and Benjamin Albright basically confirmed that earlier today. So I, I'm partial to Jerry Judy. I think – when you watch his tape in, in college and when you watch his like rookie year, like you can see why he's, why he's so coveted and you can understand why with what went on at quarterback and with the offense there in Denver, why he hasn't been as productive um, compared to someone like Chase Claypool, who, I mean, I don't want to make like big sweeping assumptions, but he seems to have off the field stuff based on, I think it was uh, Justina Anderson, maybe who, who tweeted about that. Um, about how the Steelers were ready to get rid of him and there was stuff in the locker room that, you know, he just didn't fit there anymore. And they kind of have a habit of drafting those guys and Mike Tomlin doing a really good job keeping them under wraps and seeming like normal people until they're out, you know, on another team. So I, I thought that was good value, especially when you have two and a half years of cost control. Like that would keep you from needing to draft a receiver this next year with Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, uh, Judy and then Woods already under, you know, that that group of four seems like it would have been enough, but there, there was not a trade that I saw yesterday that I was like, man, I really wish the Titans were in on that. And, you know, I didn't expect them to, and, and I understand why they didn't do it. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens from here on out, just whether any of those guys explode. But right now, based on the prices that the people that got moved got moved for, I think this was a pretty smart decision. Yeah, I, I I agree. I really didn't see too many moves where the Titans should have made or like should have been more in on it. And I really wasn't expecting them to make much of a move. I think maybe an upgraded left tackle would have made sense. I don't know how much that would have cost because I don't think I saw any left tackle get moved from uh, at least from the high profile trades that that I saw happen. So. I don't know. I mean, it seems like they're just going to keep going with with daily until I don't know, until there's a cataclysmic disaster, which uh, seems like it might happen. So uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it That's OK. I, I really don't. I, I don't think edge rusher was needed. I think if they would have gone for Chubb, I think it would have made more sense to dump Bud Dupree in that trade. But which team was going to take on uh, that contract as compensation? uh in a trade like that I don't, I don't think the broncos would have done it and yeah i mean bradley chubb's injury history is is scary to, to to be frank like 
I honestly thought it was only the ACL that he had dealt with that, that had caused him to miss games, but he has missed games almost every season of his career. Like not, not what you want to see, especially when, like you said, you have to pay him uh, a huge contract in addition. I think Robert Quinn for a fourth round pick could have made sense, but he's 32 years old. I still think he could have given you something, but to be a rotational player, a fourth round pick is kind of, it's kind of rich in my opinion. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I really would have would, would have done that either. And, and then I saw some other trades that I, I was kind of scratching my head at. I, I like the Bears getting Claypool, but second round pick seems a little bit steep for me. I thought the Hawkinson compensation was a little too much. Uh, I, I know he has a high draft pedigree and he has flashed at times, but he's super uh, inconsistent. So that was kind of a weird one. To me, and then I thought Roquan Smith for a second-round pick for the Ravens. I didn't think that made a lot of sense. I think he's an awesome player, but he's an off-ball linebacker. You're about to have to pay him a market-setting deal, and you gave up a second-round pick for a player who's probably not going to change much on your defense, considering Patrick Queen has been playing really well the last couple of weeks, and given the fact that your secondary is the biggest issue. I don't know what Roquan Smith really does. I think he's a great player, but I don't think he's a defense-changing, uh, conference-changing type of defensive asset. So uh, I was a little surprised they gave up that much for him. But like we said, uh, it really didn't surprise us at the times they didn't make a move, and I don't know if they really should have even uh, been in the market uh, for any of these players. So... Uh, with the trade deadline now out of the way, we can focus on the NFL football itself. Uh, and this past weekend, the Titans won their fifth straight game. Uh, they ended up beating the Texans 17-10 to in Malik Willis's first career start. They didn't need him. <laughs> they honestly, I think one of us could have been back there behind center and, and the Titans would have won this game anyway because... Derrick Henry just, oh my God, man. He is just destroying every defense this season. And we came into this game knowing that the Titans were going to run the ball an, an exorbitant amount of times because the Texans' run defense is just horrific. Like like NFL history-level bad uh, type of run defense. And the Titans completely exploited it with Derrick Henry. They gave him 32 touches, uh, sorry, 32 carries. Uh, for 219 yards and two touchdowns. Dontrell Hilliard finally got some run. He got eight carries, got 83 yards, just a ridiculous 10.4 yards per carry, which is what he's shown every time he has touched the ball. Uh, he is just an explosive play waiting to happen, um, and I'm glad they finally got him some run, got Derrick Henry a little bit of rest. Uh, it's a little weird that they haven't that they didn't go to Hassan Haskins for a little bit in this game, but I guess he w wasn't really needed, so... Good win for the Titans, especially with Tannehill out. They really didn't need him. I think we talked about it before that this was the game to play Malik Willis because he wasn't going to be needed to throw the ball. Uh, and it's good that the Titans were able to rest Tannehill, get the win anyway, uh, and then they could focus on getting Tannehill uh, rested up for the Chiefs game. Yeah, like... It the ankle injury seems to be serious enough to where they didn't want to risk it. And I don't even know if he could have gone if they needed him to, but yeah, it, the Texans run defense was terrible. You know, they just basically their starting linebacker or 
at their starting linebacker last year who looked good said, you know, I, I don't want to be here anymore. And they cut him the week of this game. And I don't know. There, there's nothing good to say about the the Houston Texans defense in general. Like, not not that he had a lot of chances to shine, but Stingley, like, I didn't notice him at all, really. And then uh, Jerry Hughes had a sack, but it was one of those sacks where it's just, like, in next year, Malik Willis won't take that sack you know, surely like he just kind of like stood there and stumbled like into the sack, which was, uh, I mean, it was a bad block by daily, but you know, w- once he's used to the speed of the NFL, I don't think he'll, allow, you know, he'll let himself get sacked like that, but I, I don't know. It was all, it was all bad. So yeah, like I, I don't understand why they didn't run Haskins more or Hilliard you know like you said like Haskins it seemed like he should get some mop-up duty late but Hilliard especially since he was averaging 10 yards a carry but you know they they've talked a lot about the guys who make the most money getting having the most responsibility and the most you know put on their shoulders like obviously Tannehill then Derrick Henry like getting 30 touches after he already had 200 yards or so at 22 carries like there was no reason for him to go back out there then, you know, Robert Woods playing as much as he did and playing special teams. And, you know, there was a lot of that kind of stuff. And, you know, Bud Dupree ever, you know, as soon as he was off the injury report, he's completely taken over Weaver's snaps. And, you know, Weaver had a back thing that he ended up tweeting about and getting frustrated about. And then, you know, tried to delete the post on Instagram or whatever, where he got fined for missing, uh, therapy or whatever whatever you would call that the next day for his back stuff but you know he was scratched for whatever reason but it didn't matter anyway because whenever Dupree got back it was Dupree's show and then Weaver kind of as necessary like getting relegated back to not being a starter which I don't know if that's fair or not but it's what's happened so I would have liked to seen Hilliard more just to save Henry's legs but you know it he seemed fine, you know, the, throughout the whole game. And I don't think he is upset about it or anything like so, like that. So, you know, the plan was pretty simple coming in just to run the ball. And that's what they did. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think there's anything really that we can learn from this Malik Willis start, right? Like he barely had any responsibilities and the only times that he actually dropped back the pass it was kind of a disaster, but it's kind of what we expected, right? Like, we knew he wasn't ready. I think most people knew he wasn't ready. As as exciting as the preseason was for him, a lot of it was just completely his athletic ability taking over against players that were going to get cut on defense. Like, he really didn't play against too many defensive starters, uh, and most of his plays were like, backyard football type of stuff where he's making crazy uh, throws from cool angles, but against NFL level talent on defense, that was never going to be able to to happen. Like at least not yet. It, it might happen in the future, but it's very clear that he's not ready. And I think this kind of put a nail in the, Oh, start him over Tannehill coffin. Like I, there were still, there's still some people out there um, that think that's the best course uh for this season but it's just not he's he's not ready he's way too green he needs a lot to learn and 
Unfortunately, I think he needs to learn it by getting reps, but the Titans are in a position right now where they're leading the AFC South, they're a playoff team, and their Super Bowl window is probably closing. I'm not going to say it's closed yet because the NFL is terrible this year. Anything can happen. Uh, but their Super, Super Bowl window is probably within the next couple of seasons uh, with Tannehill before he gets a little bit older and kind of starts breaking down, uh, and the same with Derrick Henry. Um, given that, there's just there's no way Malik Willis needs to be starting right now, and I think this game kind of showcased why Tannehill is still the guy and why it's just it's not going to happen yet. But is there anything? Is there anything we can take away from this Malik Willis start, or is it just that he's simply not ready to play? I mean, I think you hit it kind of on the head is he's just not um, he's not ready to play in the fact that, you know, they gave him two man routes and he couldn't really read those, which is a, a pretty bad sign. You know, not not that he'll never develop. But, you know, I think I don't know if it was Mike Keith or whoever, but uh, he was talking about how Malik Willis has been the show team quarterback the whole season, which basically means he's like not learning the Titans offense. He's running scout team and he's basically like trying to mimic other teams offenses so I don't know if an offseason of work I mean I know I, I do know an offseason of work should help him I don't know if that'll fix this but you know maybe that's why he didn't look as comfortable but no I mean nothing nothing he did suggests that he should be the guy at any point this year you know even if the Titans lost all the the rest of their games. There's nothing that says that there's any reason to play him early. You know, I, I we said it, at, you know, after the preseason, I don't know that we should expect to see Malik Willis in 2023. Like he doesn't look like he's, you know, close to ready. It, it's not like people want to say that he's like an athletic wild card and that if you put him back there, you know, he can scramble and make a big play happen or he can, you know, rip something deep. That's not true. Like we, we can watch him right now and you can see that he's not confident in pretty, in, in really anything like the Robert Woods pass where he was running to the left. Like he almost got caught by the guys chasing him and he threw and he got tipped and Robert Woods just made a really good catch. Then he missed Chiga Conquo on that, you know, tight end route up down the sideline, which should should have been a huge. I mean, you're not going to get more open than that in the NFL. So it, there was just was, no there was no touch on that pass. He needed no. to like take a little bit of velocity off, and I mean, it's something that that hopefully will come with time. But I mean, it, we've comped him to Jake Locker, and Jake Locker never learned that that was what you needed to do on those types of throws. Yeah, I mean that that's. You know, it, it is a very Jake Locker-esque, like, beginning where you start off as the backup quarterback, and then I remember they would have packages with Jake Locker where he came out basically as a Wildcat quarterback and would run some. I mean, maybe they do something similar with Malik Willis, but the whole jet sweep stuff makes even less sense now because he's not he's not slow, but if you're going to give him a jet sweep, he's not going to outrun anybody. You know, like that, you could see that when he was running the sidelines. He's not pulling away from guys. So, you know, it, he's not very I, fast, is he? No, he's like, not. He doesn't have a lot of straight line speed. It's nope. mostly like qu quick, agile stuff. Yeah, it's really weird. Like, he's got really good, like, quick twitch, like from planting on your back foot to just going. 
like that's that's really good and he's kind of got that acceleration but he accelerates well but he doesn't his top end speed is not there I mean we saw it in the preseason where he got chased down by people or he couldn't get the angles he wanted like he kept taking hits that's why Vrabel would take him out in games is because he'd start rolling and he would just take a hit so I don't know like there yeah I think I, like I don't I don't want to pile on him obviously but yeah I think people just because he's a running quarterback it's just go to the Lamar Jackson comparison and they are totally different runners, like completely different. And Lamar Jackson has speed. That's like legitimate, you know, four, three, nine, four, four flat speed. I would say Malik, Malik Willis probably runs at what? Four, five, five, maybe not, like, not, no chance. No, chance. not even right. Four, yeah. Four, it's, like, he, he's like, Mike Williams. Close he's like a four, thing. seven, four, eight. Like, I mean, maybe he's hurt or maybe he's just as unsure. And that's why he looks slow. But I mean, no, like Lamar Jack, like Lamar Jackson had, has a different gear and he's you all, all you always have an advantage when you're a running quarterback because the angles are different, you know, and people are flat footed and you usually get to be the one that starts the run. But I mean, we've never seen anything from him that suggest like that's not that he's not fast. I mean, you know, Steve McNair wasn't running like a four three, but like he had functional mobility and he could get up field well. And that's good. Like. It, the Taysom Hill comparison is weird too because Taysom Hill runs with aggression. Like Taysom Hill is a gu- not a gunner, but he's like an up back on special teams. Like he's willing to like block and run downfield and make tackles. And I'm not saying that's what Malik Willis should do, but I'm also uh, what I am saying is that's what Malik Willis has never had to do or never like shown uh, the inclination to do. Like he's not he's not a guy who's going to just like lower his head and he and that's good. Like you don't want your quarterback to be that. But I don't really know, you know, he's a quarterback. Like, he's not he's not necessarily like a freak athlete like Lamar Jackson. He's not a wildcat guy like like Taysom Hill where it's like, you know, or Jay Glocker where you can just give him the ball and he's going to be reckless and do stuff. Like, he's a quarterback. He just needs a good offensive line. Like, that's the thing. If you give him a good offensive line and fast receivers, if you give him Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee – and a good left tackle you, you that that's fine like if you if you open it up and you run a lot of deep routes he can rip passes off and he can make a lot of plays like that's still in his repertoire like none of that's changed but what we need to understand is the offense that the titans have with derrick henry not with Tannehill, but with derrick henry will not work with malik willis because you have to run the ball you know, 25 to 30 times a game. And then you have to be able to run play action off of that. And you have to be able to take snaps under center and move well out of the pocket. And again, it's not that Willis can't do that. It's just that, you know, there's, he's already not seeing the field well and not reading coverage as well and not throwing with anticipation, turning his back to the defense and running play action passes is not going to make that easier. So the takeaway should be, I'm not sure if, 2023 is Malik Willis the season and if it is it will be because they got a new offensive coordinator and have completely changed you know their mentality but that shouldn't change the fact that Malik Willis has the tools to be the guy eventually just everybody should take a step back and realize that there's only about six good quarterbacks in the NFL right now and if you have an average quarterback which Tannehill is then you should just hold on to that and then roll the dice when you get into the playoffs because there's really no other path for the Titans. 
Yeah, uh, sorry about the alarm that's going off, by the way, uh, to everyone listening. What can I do? This is uh, Miami Beach at its finest. But I agree, uh, yeah, I, Malik Willis just isn't ready right now, and uh, I, I don't want this to be like a supremely negative uh, episode, but yeah, it, it's going to take some time for him to develop. I'm not saying he won't do it. Um, I think he has all the all the tools to do it, and it seems like he's a very willing learner and, and is willing to put in the time to to make that development. But it's going to take a while, um, and we'll, we'll see how it goes uh, going forward. But I think Tannehill will be back for this week's game. If he's not, then, man, I, I don't know. Uh, the Titans are going to have to turn that Chiefs game into a disgusting defensive warfare which they could do because the defense is playing lights out right now they were incredible uh in this game against the texans they just completely uh shut down the run game with damian pierce uh he man he was getting met with like multiple defenders on almost every run in the backfield so the titans when they want to sell out to stop the run they can absolutely do it uh and there are a couple teams coming up uh, and their schedule that they might be willing uh, to do that, and, and they could. So that's a great sign. The pass defense a- a- also played very well. They made Davis Mills look like the you know the the, the inferior uh, talent at, at the quarterback position that he is. Uh, and it was just it was it was an incredible performance. Kind of annoying that the Texans even got that late garbage time touchdown because the Tex the Titans defense deserved to. Uh, to get a three on, on that scoreboard. So shout out to them. And it, it, it shows that the Titans are a complimentary type of team. When the offense needs the defense to step up for them, they do. Uh, and, you know, the, the offense hasn't really stepped up for the defense too much this season, but I think they could do it once they finally get everyone healthy. I, I think that's something that uh, we kind of forget at times, like Traylon Burks, still their first-round receiver, has not been healthy uh, for the past couple of weeks. Um, and Tannehill obviously is hurt right now. So once everyone is healthy, uh, hopefully the offense can kind of meld together with the defense and, and form a really solid, above-average uh, overall team. So we'll see. Um, so these last two get, these last two wins that the Titans have had against the Colts and the Texans – Obviously, it's super crucial to get these division wins in what looks like is going to be another disastrous season for the AFC South. I mean, the Jaguars just lost to the Broncos in London. They cannot put away any games. They can't win close games. The Colts put Sam Ellinger in at quarterback for for Matt Ryan this past week. It went just about as terrible as expected. They lost to the Commanders. They couldn't get anything going on offense. And it seems like it almost seems like they're tanking at this point. Like it seems like they don't they know they can't win the division. And then we know the Texans only have one win and they're essentially eliminated uh, from contention. So obviously important to get these division wins. Do we care that the Titans like haven't blown these teams out or does it just not matter? Like at this point, a win is a win and that's what it is. Yeah, a win is a win, right? Like. It doesn't. The last two games haven't been close. You know, you kind of talked about it with the last second touchdown to Houston. Like, there was never a time in the Indianapolis game where it felt close. Like that was after a bye week where 
everybody talked about how the Titans weren't getting in the re- or weren't scoring or sorry, they weren't getting uh, down the field often enough to be in the red zone. But when they were in the red zone, they were scoring. And then, th- you know, that was kind of the opposite where they kicked four field goals and, you know, they should have put, you know, they should have been able to score a touchdown here or there, but like it was so atypical for them to kick four field goals because more often than not, they turn at least two or three of those into touchdowns. So on a normal week, that would have been a much more lopsided victory on top of the pick six, but things just didn't work out that way. So that game wasn't close. You know, the, the Titans games against, against the Colts before the bye week was closer, but I don't know. That was a weird game too, because it felt like if you touched Matt Ryan, his arm would explode and he would fumble the ball. And between that and Taylor and, you know, that was, that was the Colts giving their absolute best shot with, you know, Shaq Leonard playing. And that was when Quiddy pay was still up. Not that he's a big factor, but he's been out for the last few weeks. And that was when they still had hope and, you know, they had just beaten the chiefs and, and they had all this momentum and they were at home and the Titans came out and put up 24 points on them in the first half. And in, former Titans fashion they didn't score in the second half but they still ended up winning 24 to 17 I believe and you know it was another dominant game by the defense for most of it and there were flashes from the offense so I I don't know like it doesn't really matter how you win it's always hard to win against your division because they know exactly what you want to do it's not like they're ever going to be surprised by how big Derrick Henry is or like by how strong Jeffrey Simmons is like, you're never going to catch them by surprise because you play them every year. Um, so just getting the win is important, but you know, I, I think, I think when we look back at the season, we'll forget how competitive the Colts looked like they might be early. And then, although that might be balanced out by when they play the Jaguars later in the season, because the Jaguars looked like they were going to be going to be competitive early and not so much now. So no, I mean, just get your wins, win your division. Uh, you know, you can, this sounds this sounds bad, but you can be a bad team and go on a run in the playoffs. Like, it, it's better to be a bad team that makes the playoffs than a good team that misses the playoffs because the good team that misses the playoff has no chance. You know, we've seen the Giants go on runs in the Super Bowl. We saw the Titans in, what was it, 2019, go on a run and go to the AFC Championship game and lead at halftime or almost lead at halftime before the Patrick Mahomes, like, scramble touchdown. So, you know, the regular season is important. You have to stack wins. But with how injured this team is and just how miserable this week in, week out, like, who's going to be on the injury report? You know, Amani Hooker had a surprise injury today, and he has a shoulder issue, and you know, it like, it's always something like Weaver missed last week with a back injury that nobody really had talked about. And, you know, it, each week, it seems like there's somebody new who gets hurt with this strength and conditioning staff. And we've talked about it ad nauseum at this point, but you know, the offense has, hasn't had their number or hasn't had two of their top four receivers for the last, I don't know, two and a half years. So that's been miserable to watch anyway. So just get into the playoffs and try to have the healthiest, deepest team you can when you get there. And the more you, you know, the more division games you win, the quicker you can start to rest people earlier, start to be a little bit more 
relaxed with your practices week to week so you don't hurt those guys. Yeah, just uh, just get in and then and then we'll take it from there. Uh, that's kind of what this season is is shouting at me. Given the general uh, just disgusting quality of play within the NFL, I mean, the Times could make a run in the playoffs, and they they have a pretty good vice grip uh, on the division as is. So at the very least, they're going to be the fourth seed uh, in the AFC. And there really aren't that many good teams out there. So just get in and then, you know, you might go on a run. The, the Bills and Chiefs might uh, might end up just uh, canceling each other out. Maybe injuries happen uh, and you never know what can happen. So, yeah, just get these wins however you can get them. And then we'll deal with <laughs> we'll deal with the injuries well, uh, once the playoffs and, roll around. And also, like the Bills and Chiefs have unanimously been the best teams in the AFC for the past you know, two years, but last year the Bengals were in the Super Bowl. You know, it's like we, you know, the Bengals were a great, fun, exciting team, but nobody saw that offensive line and saw, you know, for the most part, like the defense, you know, granted in the playoffs, they played great and they had their ups and downs in the regular season, but nobody looked at them and thought, okay, this should be the Super Bowl favorites. Like Buffalo and Kansas City, last year in the playoffs as well as you know this year were the heavy favorites and it, it where did it get them you know baltimore was the one seed when the titans knocked them out of the playoffs what was it back back in that 2019 run or 28 i, I can't remember which one it was back in that afc championship run so you know like just because you're the best you know everybody wants to be the best team in the league right now and this is as mike Vrabel as i get but it doesn't really matter who's ahead right now. You know, the Titans are seven games into the season. So, you know, as as much as I understand it, you know, I, I'd, it'd be great if the Titans were undefeated and were the best in every metric and looked, you know, looked ready to go right now. But we don't know what's going to happen in the next 10 games. You know, the goal is to get to have the best team you can as you start the playoffs and then. You just want to win three or four in a row. That That's the only goal. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. Like, we have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, I mean, we, 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 we simply don't know. There's so many games to go. Um, and even if you look at the standings right now, like, the Titans are technically the two seed, I think, right now because of the uh, conference record. Uh, imagine they beat the Chiefs this week, and then they have the head-to-head tiebreaker over them. So, man, I, like, there's so many permutations that – uh, are still yet to play out and and anything can happen uh, at this point. So we're taking an ad break here and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about the Chiefs, the Titans week nine opponent. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. As I was talking before the ad break, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are 5-2. and two. Uh, The Titans have a better conference win percentage record, so technically the Titans are above them in the AFC standings, but obviously so many, so many games left that that doesn't really matter uh, right now. The Chiefs' two losses this season, one of them came against the Bills a couple weeks ago uh, in a 24-20 game. The Bills got a late touchdown from Dawson Knox. Uh, on a Josh Allen pass, the Bills are just a great team right now. Re- really, that their only loss, uh, I think they only have one loss, right? They've only they're six and yeah one. to Buffalo or to, to uh, Miami to Miami, and that was yeah. a super weird game where the Bills ran like ninety plays or something like that. Their entire team was cramping because of the Miami Heat, uh, which I can attest to. It's absolutely brutal. Um, and they clearly weren't ready for that. I bet if the Bills played the Dolphins again, the Bills would probably would probably beat them, and especially in the playoffs in in the winter months uh, in Buffalo. Um, yeah, so I, I think the Bills are, are very clearly one of the top two teams in the NFL, uh, and I think the Eagles are, are right up there with them. They just look like like a really solid uh, team on both sides of the ball. The Chiefs are right behind them. Uh, their offense is, is is humming like they're really good. Uh, they just came off a 44-23 road win uh, over the Niners. Absolutely destroyed uh, one of the better defenses in the league. Then they get a bye week, and then they come out of the bye week uh, against the Titans. Not great. Not not what you want. Uh, I think Andy Reid has a very good record off the bye, if I'm not completely mistaken. Uh, and it's this game's in Kansas City. So honestly, all the signs are kind of pointing to not maybe not a big win for Kansas City over the Titans, but definitely a win uh, for Kansas City over the Titans. Is that how you see it, too? Or do you think this is one of those Mike Rabel, uh, I'm going to play up to my competition and come away with a win when no one is expecting it type of games? Yeah. So there's a couple of ways to look at this. Like, uh, first of all, Kansas City is the better team. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody would argue that. And I don't mean that they're going to win every game that they play. But if you put them against, you know, 31 other teams, like they win the the shootout type games. That's not the types of games that the the Titans want to be in. It, even when they were scoring 30 points a game, that's not really what they wanted. You know, they wanted to kind of ground down, grind down the clock, like make a two possession lead feel insurmountable, like try to keep it close and then win at the end. That's why Tannehill has so many fourth quarter comebacks and, you know, why the team has been so successful because they have the best running back and typically really good defenses. So, you know, it's one of those match, you know, style stylistic matchups and, you know, we've seen the Buffalo Bills just run rough shot over the Titans and that was you know, admittedly bad. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, there's not much you can say about that Bills game, but 
right now it looks like the Titans' defense is going to go into this game pretty healthy. You know, Weaver practiced today. I can't imagine Jeffrey Simmons missing, even though he didn't practice. Both the starting linebackers are healthy. Elijah Molden has uh, started the 21-day window or whatever where he can start practicing with the team, which in the past has meant that he'll play this weekend. You know, Christian Fulton's been playing better than, you know, he has at any point in the season. He looks really good. Uh, McCreary's in tight coverage with a lot of guys. Uh, We'll see what happens with Imani Hooker. But if he doesn't go, Adams has been playing really well. Like, he had that pick six against the Colts, and he played a lot uh, versus uh, the Texans last week. Byard's, you know, still there. Autry, Weaver's, or uh, Autry's there, and... Uh, Dupree should be back. So, you know, you basically get the defense that you want. You know, you're not going to have Harold Landry, but that's just life right now. Um, So the defense looks good, and the Kansas City offense has not been, you know, completely, like, turnover-proof, right, or, like, bulletproof or whatever. Like, they've thrown turnover – they've had turnovers in uh, all but two games, a five out of seven. Uh, And then – we know Kansas City's good. I don't want this to sound the wrong way. But let's talk about this the game. Colts game. Let's talk about well, the Colts game. <laughs> let's talk about the team. Let's talk about all the teams, right? Like, and you can do this with the Titans, but it, so far this year, the Chiefs have played the Cardinals, terrible. The Chargers, pretty bad. You know, the Colts, bad, and they lost that game. The Bucks, bad. The Raiders, bad. The Bills, good, but they lost that game. And then San Francisco. And in, in the San Francisco game, they turned over the ball three. You know, the defense took the ball away three times. So, again, I every every team in the NFL, it, you know, counts as a win just the same as any other team. But, you know, it's not like this is a team that went into Buffalo and beat Buffalo. You know, they hosted Buffalo and lost to Buffalo. They, you know, and I'm I'm not going to go back over the list and tell you about that all again. I mean, but it's not like they're world beaters who, you know, faced every challenge and overcome everybody. Like, they've looked as human as anybody else. And how many times have we seen the Chiefs in the regular season and they're supposed to, you know, they're supposed to run all over the Titans. Then Derrick Henry, you know, has a touchdown and Rashawn Evans picks up a fumble and runs it back for a touchdown and, it's a completely different game or they're, they're supposed to come into Tennessee and, you know, Tennessee's on a short week after playing Buffalo on Monday night football and Tennessee is missing all their starting corners and it's going to be a train wreck. And then the Titans shut Patrick Mahomes out for the first, you know, for the whole game and they have to replace him because he's getting hit too much. So you know, Andy Reid against the Titans, I believe is something like two and eight like in his career record. So even though he's great after bye weeks, which he, I think he's like 17 and three, he's great. But the Titans are pretty good against Andy Reid and have been pretty good in the regular season against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in this sort of iteration. So I, I, you know, all that to say the chiefs are, should absolutely be favored. They should be favored by, you know, six and a half. It, you know, if they play the style of game they want to play, then it's going to be really difficult for the Titans to win. But if this turns into they can't stop the run as well as they think, and the Titans are 
you know, fully bought into to the running game and getting downhill. And we see Derrick Henry that we saw last week, you know, then then it's a much more questionable outcome. So, you know, I, I don't I don't think this is a toss up. I want to make that clear, but it's not like there's no avenue for success here. And it's not like this is the scariest Chiefs team we've seen, you know, with that without Tyreek Hill, their offense has had times where they look average and pedestrian. Now, anytime you have Patrick Mahomes, that that won't last for long. But, it, you know, they're not, you know, Travis Kelsey is still great, but he's not Travis Kelsey from two years ago. They don't have Tyreek Hill like Patrick Mahomes is making other guys work. But I, I, I think this will be closer than people think. But yeah, like, I mean, at home after, a, you know, a full week of rest, it, it's a really tough spot for the Titans. Yeah, it is. Um, but I don't know. Like, anything can happen. And we've seen the Titans be competitive in these types of games over the past couple of seasons. Uh, so we'll see. I hope I hope they show up. I, I do want to talk about what is is the recipe to a win here just hand the ball off to Derrick Henry 30 times and, and hope uh, that he can break off several uh, long runs or sustained drives. Is that the best course of action? Because, I mean, if if you look at it, really, and, and I've seen a, a, a good amount of Chiefs games this year, their run defense is not good. They, I mean, they their run defense hasn't been good ever. I swear I've never seen them actually uh, fill in the gaps well and, and truly take out uh, certain running games. And, I mean, we've seen it this year. Like, Josh Jacobs went nuclear on them. Uh, just looked like one of the better running backs, which he has, which he has been uh, this season, but he was getting gaping holes. Devin Singletary uh, on the Bills. The Bills really don't like to run the ball all that much, but Devin Singletary was getting huge lanes in that game as well. So, I mean, I think think the matchup kind of lends itself to the Titans being successful on offense uh, just because their entire – offense is pretty much Derrick Henry and he's looked fantastic the offensive line has been run blocking so well um and given that running the ball gives you longer drives and keeps Patrick Mahomes on the field I mean that's that's the recipe right to to winning this game because I don't think you're gonna win uh a passing game shootout against the Chiefs I don't think anyone really could uh except for the Buffalo Bills and, and even they didn't get into that one because uh, the Buffalo defense is so good, but it just seems like Derrick Henry is once again the key to coming away with a win uh, in this type of game. Well, the weird thing is nobody in the NFL has allowed more touchdowns passing than Kansas City. You know, they've allowed 17. Is that true? Uh, yep, they've allowed 17 passing touchdowns in just seven games. Uh, the Steelers are tied with them at 17, wow. and they did it in eight games. So, it, you know, it's they're they're sort of the worst. Isn't isn't that a byproduct though of them getting big leads and then, you know, well I mean coming from it, behind. You you I mean, well not the maybe. Raiders one. The Raiders one actually they was competitive for most of the games. So. Yeah, I mean that you know they do they do get the ball thrown on them a lot, but that doesn't really you know they only have three interceptions to seventeen touchdowns allowed. So you know they're not taking advantage of it. So you know. They're they're I mean, allowing. They're, they're not overly talented on defense. I don't think. I mean, I don't really see too many uh, playmakers 
Uh, like and, Chris Jones, Chris Jones, obviously, and I think Quan Thornhill and Justin Reed are decent safeties, but they're not players that you're like completely avoiding uh, in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, they're talented, but, you know, Frank Clark's out for this game because he's suspended and that's their best edge rusher. Um, Chris Jones is obviously a freak, like, and you can bet that Jeffrey Simmons is going to know that the other four, you know, Autry and uh, Simmons are going to see another Mississippi State player on the other side and want to outdo them. But that doesn't take away from how great Chris Jones is. But, I mean, really, like, Nick Bolton, I heard Rhett Bryan uh, today talked about, you know, Nick Bolton already has 70 tackles. That's a made-up nonsense stat. It does not matter. 70 tackles is nothing. You can put 400 tackles there. It doesn't make any difference, you know. He's a, he's a good hey, run defender. I don't want to say Cole, that. Dylan Cole might have 100 by the end of this season. All yeah. Star. I, you know, so it's like, you know, that that is not indicative of how talented you are. It just is how, you know, if somebody – I've I've talked about tackles on here before. Like that that doesn't mean anything. But he is a good player. But it's not like he's Erlacher or Keekly in his prime. You know, it's he's not one of those like game changing inside linebackers. Like I don't. I mean, I think he's a good guy to have in a phone booth. But you know, we'll see. But how many years did Derrick Henry play against Zach Cunningham when he was with the Texans and he would still put up 200 yards because that's just you know. That's that's how little an inside linebacker can impact a game versus a running back at times. So you're right. It does. It is an interesting matchup because it's not like the Chiefs are especially effective. You know, they they've allowed. I think they're like the second or third least amount of rushing yards. But like you said, it's because nobody runs the ball on them. Everybody's always passing the ball. You know, uh, they've only had to stop 155 rushing attempts, which is you know, towards the bottom of teams in, in the NFL. It's it's actually, I just looked it up. It's second least in the team that's faced the first uh, fewest, let me phrase this uh, better. Uh, the team that's faced the fewest number of rushing attempts is the Titans with 150. And then the Kansas City Chiefs are second with 155. So, uh, you know, they're very similar in that regard. And that's because both teams lead a lot. Like, you know, the Titans have gotten a, like a head in, I, I think every game except for Buffalo. And then they've been difficult to score on. And, you know, most of the scoring comes in the second half, but the Titans are still usually in the lead. So, you know, usually see more passes. Plus they run the ball a lot. So the clock runs out quicker, but all that to say, you know, there's a lot of numbers out there that suggest that the chiefs are a, a really good defense and they're opportunistic and this, that, and other. And I don't really know if those numbers hold up to scrutiny. So we'll see, you know, hopefully Tannehill can practice and he's fully mobile and, and all that. But I, I don't know the weather. I, that's something a, a random side note here is I'm interested to know what the weather will be like in Kansas city, because it's always cooler and it's going to be a cold if it's going to be a cold night game with Derrick Henry in that running attack i i much prefer to have you know the Titans running game leaned on heavily regardless of who's at quarterback or whatever just because you know that that could be an early preview of Dehember so i don't know we'll, we'll see what happens again I don't want this to sound overly optimistic and that you know this is a trap game for Kansas City blah 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 it's not but at the same time, it doesn't necessarily have to be a trap game. 
the Titans are a good team. You know, they're five and two for a reason, and they've handled their business this year, and they seem to have found their identity while they were, you know, struggling through the garbage teams in the NFL. So we'll see how good they really are and how much has changed from the Buffalo game to now, I guess, in six days. Agreed. And I talk about giving the ball to Henry so many times, but obviously have to stop Mahomes um, at least on, on one or two drives uh, in order to actually win this game. Uh, that's been difficult for a lot of defenses uh, this season, although the Bills and the Colts seem seem to have the blueprint uh, in order to do that. What would what would you think is the best course of action in terms of limiting Mahomes and the Chiefs passing offense? Because they just hit you with so many different types of players and, and so many different angles that it's really difficult to to limit them. But I mean, me personally, I'm just I'm sticking two guys on Kelsey and then let the others beat me if if they can. Uh, they've done it. Juju has kind of woken up over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Miko Hartman is obviously very fast, but he's inconsistent. MBS is very fast, but he's pretty much only a field stretcher. Uh, what do you think the Titans should do uh, differently, I guess I would say, than they have been over the past couple of weeks since they haven't really faced uh, too many good passing offenses? What do you think they should do against Mahomes uh, to limit him really to field goals? Because we know they're going to move the ball, uh, but the the real question is going to be, uh, keeping them out of the end zone. Yeah, I mean, I think you just kind of keep playing your game. Like, obviously, you don't do what you did against the Texans, which was more five-man fronts and all that. Like, you want to stay in a four-man front with Simmons, like the guys we talked about earlier, like the pass rushers. Like, you want those guys on the field, you know, when you can have them on the field in a four-man front, and you want to be lighter on your back end. Like, you want to be in dime or nickel, you know, whenever you can be, and then you just play opportunistic and, you know, fast flow to the ball and then make sure that Mahomes can't just stay back there and, you know, sit still in the pocket and not have to move. Like you got to move him off a spot and he, you know, he'll throw the ball, you know, across his body, like halfway through a roll, like he'll, he'll make bad decisions because he can make those plays work. You just have to make him pay for those. So you know, if anybody knows how to play Mahomes, it's the Titans. Like, whether it's Bowen or Vrabel or, you know, Jeffrey Simmons, like whoever, like, they've had success against the old offensive line they used to have, the offensive line they trotted in last year when they were all rookies and young guys. Like, I mean, the, it's nothing new for them. The only thing different about this team is that they don't have Tyreek Hill. So, you know, you just don't have to prepare for that as much. And that's, that's going to be a positive thing. He leads the NFL in receiving yards. It's good to not have to deal with Tyreek Hill. So I, I don't think there's anything new you have to particularly fold in, like, especially now that they're starting to stunt a lot more with their defensive line and get more guys open and get creative that way. Like you don't have to add in a bunch of new wrinkles. You just, you, you've got to stick with this, with the defense of not giving up big explosive plays for nothing. Like you have to keep that going because you know, they gave up one explosive play against the Texans and it, it kept them from that almost shutout, that three point, you know, defensive performance because it was just a long pass to Brandon Cooks. And Brandon Cooks is going to get his. He's great. But, you know, the, you just have to make sure that doesn't happen to you with Juju. You know, so, you know, like 
if if a great you know if Devontae Adams beats you deep, which the Titans have really focused on not letting those guys beat them this year, but don't let the Mac Hollinses of the world beat you. Like don't let backup guys, you know, play play better than that. And hopefully with Molden in, you know, hopefully he can play and hopefully they can prevent more of those X plays and do what they've been doing. But, you know, play play the style you played the last few weeks. If if something major happens and you need to adjust because it's just not working, adjust. But I don't think there's any reason why this defense shouldn't look better than they did against Buffalo with, with everybody on the field this weekend. Yeah, they've been playing great, and it really is super impressive how good the Titans have been against the Andy Reid Chiefs uh, in the regular season. Obviously, that playoff loss still stings, but hey, there's a regular season. It's not the playoffs, so maybe they can continue uh, that impressive uh, record uh, on Sunday, Sunday night. Uh, that's exciting, too. The Sunday night game, prime time. Just hoping to not get embarrassed like the Bills game because, you know, it just yeah. leaves a bad – it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Obviously, you don't want to get blown out, but getting blown out on national TV and then all the media people are going to be like, oh, the Titans are frauds again. I just absolutely hate it. But hopefully the Titans could put on a good performance, hopefully come away with a win, but at the very least uh, show that they belong among the AFC elite. So – we're going to take an ad break here, and then we're going to come back and wrap up with Stop the Nonsense. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Will, what is your Stop the Nonsense for this week? So I, if, you've, if you've seen my mentions, I've had this conversation. Somebody named Nathan uh, at Nathan Cherilis, maybe how you say his name, went kind of— Mike Herndon, I, I was talking to him earlier today, and so I was I, I was aware of kind of the things he was he was tweeting, and you know, I, I tweeted to him some this morning. Anyway, it got it got put on my timeline by Eldon English, uh, that <laughs> this guy Nathan was talking about. I want I want to be I'll I'll use the exact quote. He said uh, when they were talking about they were talking about how. John Robinson is missed on first round picks and, you know, all he drafts are busts and, you know, bad players. And he was talking about Traylon Burks not being good, even though, you know, he was clearly good when he was in and he was, you know, leading rookies and like yards per target. What anyway, all that stuff. And so Herndon pushed back. And then he said, uh, this Nathan guy said, I don't like the word bust. Simmons was drafted too early. He isn't a bust. He is great. Uh, Burks may be a solid wide receiver too, but he wasn't worth that pick. I don't want J Rob fired. I want him to realize there's a problem and fix it. And the, it's, it's a really good, the, you know, this, this quote is a really good encapsulation of sort of what's wrong with the ideas of what rookies should be. Because if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, it is almost impossible for a rookie to make an impact on a Mike Brable team. It just is. Doesn't matter who the guy is, it is very difficult. You know, you can look back, you know, Kevin Byard started on the bench. Derrick Henry started on the bench. I mean, we you, we can go down the list. Like, the, there's so many players. Like, the only players who have a chance are offensive linemen. You know, like, Nate Davis was good, The you know, the back half of the season once they started to let him play more. And, you know, Nicholas Petit-Frere has been good. You know, all this stuff. But 
he he doesn't call Simmons a bust, but he basically says that you should never draft a person in the first round who's not going to contribute immediately. Even though Jeffrey Simmons did end up playing the year, you know, the last eight, six or eight games, whatever it is, and he had a sack in his first game, and he was great from the get go, and you know, he never slowed down. It's it's a great job of people forgetting that sometimes these guys take time and they're always going to take time when there's veterans in front of them in this team on this team. Like whether it was Kyle Phillips, not getting a lot of reps early because uh, Nick Westbrook Aquina was there. And then he had to finally break through. And then he led the Titans in receiving the one game. He was healthy. And then like every other fun prospect that he got hurt. And then, you know, it's it just, the list goes on and on. And I've, I've talked about this a lot, but I can't believe we're still in this place where, we don't understand that even if guys aren't immediate, you know, the curve, the arc of guys, I should say, the arc of careers in Tennessee are fans don't like that the Titans spent a pick on them in year one. Year two, they have a good season and everybody's in love with them. Year three, Titans fans aren't sure if they want to pay him. And, you know, they point out all the flaws and they say, well, you know, it took this, that and other for them to be good. And then by year four, if they don't have a great season and the team decides to let them walk, it's why didn't the tight, why don't the Titans ever play these players? Like this was my favorite player. I can't believe they let him go. Like John U. Smith, you were my hero. When like, when you, if you go back to year one, you're the same guy who's bad mouthing John U. Smith. Like it, we have to get over it. Like at a certain point when you're one of the most successful teams in the NFL for, you know, what is it like a five year period, a six year period, whatever it is, you just have to sort of trust the process. Like there's going to be bumps and there's going to be mistakes, but we have got to quit acting like, you know, John Robinson is bad at drafts. John Robinson doesn't bring in talent, you know, as much as you like it or don't, that's just the arc of the way these players are going to go. So I, 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 this is the most successful rookie class that the Titans have had in a long time. And when the guys get healthy again, it'll show up even more, but Man, it is a struggle to constantly deal with this kind of stuff. Also, do people not understand how hard it is for a GM to consistently draft well? It is, it's almost impossible. Um, and there's so many other factors at play other than just actually drafting the player. The coaches have to develop these players. These players have to be completely mentally bought in, which sometimes in college they're absolutely bought in. And then they get to the NFL and it's completely different and everything changes. Like, I take the Seahawks, for example. John Schneider right now is getting just praised endlessly for what looks like an incredible draft class this season. What happened the past 10 years? Every draft class has sucked for them. And it's a huge reason why they haven't been able to get back uh, to the Super Bowl. And they've kind of been middling between mediocrity for so much time. And, like, this is happening kind of with the Jets also. Joe Douglas has done a really good job building very decent to great draft classes, but he missed on Zach Wilson, and it's going to end up derailing his entire tenure, it seems. So, man, it is—the margin of error for GMs is, like, razor thin. And the fact that John Robinson has consistently produced rosters that— get 9, 10, 11, 12 wins, I, I think should be commended. And people need to realize um, that it's not easy. This is not an easy job. There's a reason there's only 32 of them 
uh, in the entire world, NFL GMs, I mean, uh, and there's turnover every every year. The five of them get fired every year. Five new ones come in. Some of them suck. Some of them are good. Um, and that's just that's just how it is. But people don't understand that every every draft class has to be uh, just a plus. It doesn't it doesn't exist. But anyway, uh, going off of that, I mentioned Zach Wilson uh, and he's kind of part of my stop the nonsense. I want to talk about two uh, quarterbacks from the 2021 draft class, which oh man. It's, it's not looking good, guys. It's it's not looking uh, very good. Justin Fields looks like the best uh, quarterback from that draft class uh, right now, and and I hope he is because he got a lot of un unfair criticism, uh, I would say, in, in the draft process and, and even uh, throughout his first season. But anyway, I just want to focus on Zach Wilson uh, and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Zach Wilson sucks. Uh, probably the worst quarterback starting quarterback in the league right now. He, I I honestly think he would be like a middling. Uh, backup at this point, but Jets fans were so so enamored with this five and two start, even though they were beating teams that were starting second, third string quarterbacks, um, and they were high and mighty saying that oh Zach Wilson is playing is playing solid ball, he's guiding the team to these victories. What are you talking about? They were completely hiding this guy behind their running game, behind Brees Hall, who was ripping off 50, 60-yard gains. And then what happens when you face a decent defense? Actually, not even a decent defense. The Patriots defense got absolutely crushed by Justin Fields and the Bears the week before. But Zach Wilson uh, comes in and faces them, absolutely implodes, throws three interceptions, looks like the awful quarterback that we all know he is. And Jets fans are quiet all of a sudden because their 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 beautiful second overall pick it, it has finally imploded, and they just can't deal with the fact that this dude sucks, and they're gonna have to draft another quarterback within the next uh, one or two years. So, man, Jets fans, take take a step back. You guys haven't won anything in in forever, uh, and your quarterback sucks. So, yeah, I, I don't know that that just bothered me, but. I also have to talk about Trevor Lawrence because wh- why? What? Why does the national media keep trying to prop this guy up? He's not good. He's not good. He's shown absolutely nothing at the NFL level. Last year was a disaster. Yes, Urban Meyer was also a disaster, and he rightfully got blamed for a lot of Lawrence's uh, poor performances, but Lawrence did absolutely nothing to elevate his team around him. Now this year, they finally get pieces around him. Uh, they they spend a lot for Christian Kirk. They bring in Zay Jones. Travis Etienne is healthy. Uh, their O-line isn't all that terrible. They bring in Doug Peterson, who has had really good offenses in the NFL uh, in the past, won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. And for the first couple of weeks, it looked good. Doug Peterson had a good uh, offense uh, built around Trevor Lawrence. And now what's going on? Trevor Lawrence is committing so many mistakes. He can't hit normal throws, normal tight window throws. Uh, he's putting 100 miles an hour on the ball on these short routes, just completely zinging past open receivers. And yet people are still making excuses for him. They're 2-6, two and, two and six, I think, right now. Their offense can't score points against the Houston Texans. I think they had six points or something like that. And yet uh, these— National media analysts keep trying to to say that 
his margin for error in this offense is just so thin. He has to be perfect every Sunday in order to succeed. Well, guess what? If you're the first overall pick, yeah, yeah, you're supposed to be great on a consistent basis. This dude is not, and I honestly think the Jaguars are are might be in a position where they have to make like a Daniel Jones type of decision on this guy within the next couple of years. But don't let the national media hear that. It, it's all it's all the fault of, of the Jaguars and everything around him, and and not him. It, it's just it's crazy how they coddle him. I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean Matt Ryan beat Trevor Lawrence like, and I know that's not technically how it goes, but like, I mean we've seen what the Colts look like. Like the Colts are not a good team, and they shut them out the first time. And I think uh, the Jaguars only scored like twenty. I think it was like twenty-one to zero, and it was like kind of a struggle for them to put up points, even though they got turnovers. And then they, you know, they lost a shootout to them, thirty-four to twenty-seven, which is tough way to go and then like you said like they put up six points on the Texans and lost like that's bad and I don't I don't know man like they they invest they put they put up money you know they've given him like the best player well I shouldn't say that because the receivers are good they're you know he has Marvin Jones and Christian Kirk and you know he's got weapons but the only reason that their offense is moving is because of Travis Etienne like Travis Etienne looks great and it's it's crazy to be that no you know what they should be praying for is that <laughs> nobody should be praying for this but uh, if if you could copy the Titans offense they would be more successful and maybe not even the Titans offense with Ryan Tannehill maybe the Titans offense with Malik Willis because I mean Trevor Lawrence isn't like a lost cause but he is part of the problem way more often than he's part of the solution you know, there's a handful of times a game where you can say, wow, I'm glad we didn't run the ball. If you're a Jaguars fan, like other than that, like it's got to be a constant hold your breath. And more often than not, you're disappointed because it's incomplete or more often intercepted. You know, he's in his stats don't even do him justice because he threw an interception uh, in the Giants game, just like he did in the game against the Broncos except it was waved off because of a penalty. Like, he should have had two back-to-back, you know, two-minute drive interceptions to end games over the last two weeks, but instead he just didn't score. You know, somebody said that the last, with the game on the line, uh, I think it's the last, maybe it's the last eight games, like the last drives that they've had, uh, like six of them have been turnovers, uh, like one of them has been, like, and two of them have been, like, run out of time, like, I don't know. He just like, maybe he has it somewhere, but I don't think he's ever going to have it in Jacksonville. I mean, I don't, I don't know if anybody can, but they, they've given him weapons. They've given him a quote unquote smart offensive mind and everything looks exactly as hard for him now as it did again. It did with urban Meyer. Like if you can't see that you're just lying or you're just trying to prove yourself right. And you're not seeing what's right in front of you. Like, it's in, and, and they'll never change it. Like, I mean, like they'll they'll never make a move. Like he'll have to walk away in free agency in a couple of years, and they'll just keep throwing good money after bad there. But man, it it has got to be frustrating for them because he looks bad. Yeah, and I mean, I think he could get it figured out. Uh, and I honestly don't mind him as like a a person, but it's just it's weird that the the, the media just keeps 
keeps uh, holding on to hope that he's just going to be the same guy uh, that we saw that freshman year at Clemson. Times change. We have new evidence. At some point, you have to just realize that he's not that great right now. It is what it is, but there's no need to just keep uh, keep acting like he is something that he isn't. But what can we do? That's what it is. So that'll do it for us. We'll be back next week, hopefully, to recap a Tennessee Titans uh, win over the Chiefs. As always, remember to stop the nonsense, and thank you for tuning in. 